You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. see, if God is number one in our lives, if God is number one, everything revolves around Him. The standard of my life is based on my relationship with God. And so my relationship with anybody else, including my wife, comes from my submission and the priority of God being my life. She loved God more than she loved anybody. Mary faced shame, ridicule, and confusion as she learned that she would be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Yet instead of doubt, she embraced God's will and plan for her life and felt blessed to be so favored by God. Today, Pastor Danny will encourage you to have a similar love for God as Mary did. Her faith and trust in God was so great that she was willing to suffer the disgrace that her situation brought her. God changed the life of this humble servant and honored her forever. Is your love for God greater than all things? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Luke, chapter 1, in his message, The Blessed Mother. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, as you would have been too, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He'll be great. will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. I think at that point, Mary just about fainted. How will this be, Mary, asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Good question. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Now, a few verses before, Zechariah, a priest, while he's on duty, this same angel Gabriel appears to him. He and his wife have been wanting to have kids. They couldn't have kids. And God tells Zechariah through this same angel, your wife's going to get pregnant. Zechariah doesn't believe it. The angel says, okay, you're not going to be able to talk until the kid's born. Guess what? He couldn't talk till the kid was born. A priest, you would think, would believe right away. What's Mary's response going to be? For nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. 
made it be to me as you have said. In other words, I believe it. Then the angel left her. Verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready, hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. This is her cousin. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped with joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And then this response, this declaration Mary gives. Notice now, she's a young woman, a virgin. Some believe she's 17 years old. And listen to what she says, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, and they do. She's the blessed mother. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. I don't know if you appreciate what she just said. It sounds like she's a graduate of the greatest theological institution there was in the day. This is a woman who knows her Bible. This is a woman who has insight into the character of God. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. And when she returned home after three months, she's showing, which tells me she didn't tell mom and dad about Gabriel. She didn't tell mom and dad that she's going to be pregnant. Oh, mom and dad, it's not what you think. Yeah, right. I'd like to go visit cousin Elizabeth for a while. You ain't going nowhere, girl. Who's going to believe her? how the Catholic Church has really messed up the teaching about Mary. The Catholic Church says Mary is a perpetual virgin. That's not what the Bible says. Joseph and Mary had other kids. Jesus had half-brothers and sisters. Matthew 13, 55 tells us some of their names. They say she is co-redemptrix. It's not what the Bible says. There's one mediator between God and man. She calls the Lord her Savior in our text. They say she was born of an immaculate conception. In other words, She didn't have any sin, and because she didn't have any sin, uh, she ascended physically back into heaven just like Jesus did. That's just not what the Bible says. Nevertheless, she is the blessed mother, highly favored. I mean, God reached down. He bypassed the Hollywood of the culture. He bypassed Jerusalem. He goes to Hicktown. That's what Nazareth was. Even today, it's not big. In that day, it was very small. And so everybody knows about Mary. I learned things from her. I'm challenged by her life. I'm challenged by her character, and I hope you are. First thing I note about Mary, great men and women of God can come from the most unlikely places. It's Hicktown, Nazareth. Philip, one of the early disciples of Jesus, he went and found uh, Nathaniel. And he said, we found the one the Bible talked about. We found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And here's what what Nathaniel said. 
Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Well, that's where Mary came from. Where she came from helps us with the second characteristic about her life. She was humble, humility. It means having a low estimate of oneself and one's importance. And she comes from Nazareth. She comes from Hicktown. Hicktown. Where, where do we get that name? Hicktown. Well, it actually started in the 14th century. It was a derogatory term. Hick. It, it means a person who is not very intelligent, unsophisticated. Uh, some synonyms, a bumpkin, a yahoo, a yokel. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, here's what he said. Hey, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Now, don't raise your hand, and we're not looking for personal testimonies here this morning, but look, think of what you were when you were called. Let me give you the fuller context of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Oh, so encouraging, so encouraging. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Early church, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, uh, these guys are standing before the Supreme Court of the day. The Supreme Court is threatening them. Uh, they are ridiculing them. They are mocking them. And it says that they looked at them and they said, they looked at them and said, they marveled because they were unschooled, ordinary men. Unschooled, ordinary. Greek words, Greek words. The first word is illiterate. Illiterate. The second word is an interesting one. In the Greek, it's I D I O T E S. Idiotus. In other words, they looked up and said, These guys are illiterate idiots. And they took note that they had been with Jesus. Think of what you were when you were called. <laughs> Mary, she comes from Higtown. She's humble. But I'll tell you a third thing about Mary. She had faith. She had faith. I think it's interesting when she, she gives that declaration and it's filled with the character of God and the insight about God. Now here's Mary who knew the word. Paul writes in Romans and he tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Ephesians talks about one of the pieces of our armor that God gives us being the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. I like to say, the more sword you got in your sheath, the more weapon you got in your hand. Mary had faith. She believed God. Just trusted Him. And you talk about trusting Him. You're going to get pregnant, but you're not going to be involved with another man? Now, she's engaged to be married. But it's not through Joseph this child is going to come. And she believed God. She trusted him. And the kind of trust that leads us to the fourth characteristic about her life. She was a servant. She was a servant. <laughs> when the angel spoke to her and told her what was going to happen, she said, I'm the Lord's servant. She didn't rebel against God's will. She didn't question his plan. And understand, it's not something you should get all that excited about. You're excited in the one sense that, that, that you're going to carry the Christ child. But think about the ramifications of that. But she embraced God's will. Even if it meant no one would understand, and no one did. In this culture, the betrothal stage was so serious that if you broke up with someone during the betrothal stage, you had to actually give them a formal writing of, 
divorce, even before you're actually married. And the Bible tells us when Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, he's going to divorce her privately. He's not going to publicly insult her, publicly ridicule her, publicly put her to shame. And the only thing that kept him from doing that is an angel of God appears to him, convinces him that this child is of the Holy Spirit. And that's the only reason he didn't divorce Mary. She's a servant. She embraced God's plan. And that brings us to the fifth characteristic about Mary. Embracing God's plan, embracing God's will for her life meant she would have to be willing to suffer disgrace. She goes away to Elizabeth's house for three months. She comes back to little town, little hick town of Nazareth. And she's showing. Let me tell you how quick the word spread in Nazareth, like fire. You see Mary? She's pregnant. wonder who the dad is. It's not Joseph. Joseph was back home. Mary's away. She's been away for three months. And everybody is, everybody is certain. I mean, everybody is certain. She's been playing hanky-panky while she's away. She comes back, and she is pregnant. Everybody sees it. Everybody knows it. And it doesn't matter what she says. Nobody believes it. You talk about disgrace. The attitude of the early disciples was the same as Mary's. They were willing to suffer disgrace. Here's what Acts chapter 5 tells us. The apostles, after being beaten, threatened, by the Supreme Court of their day. It says they left the Sanhedrin rejoicing that they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Peter would write in one of those little letters of 1st, 2nd Peter, and he would say, listen, if you suffer, it shouldn't be as a meddler or any other thing like that. But if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed. Praise God you bear that name. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christ. John, that's a challenge. I've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and I I still, I I like people to like me. When I first moved here, first few years, everybody liked me. Now there's a lot of people don't like me. Not just non-Christians. Some Christians don't like me. (laughs) But it's still a challenge every day. I mean, it's hard enough for all of us, but for me, they ask, what do you do for a living? I'm dead right then. So it's over. I'm a pastor. <laughs> Changes the whole conversation. <laughs> it's crazy. In our day, I want them to know that I'm a Christian pastor. <laughs> I'm a follower of Jesus. The willingness to suffer disgrace for the name. And that brings us to the next to the last characteristic about Mary that I know it anyway. She had a supreme love for God. Jesus, in quoting from Deuteronomy in Matthew chapter 22, here's what Jesus said. Say it with me. You ready? Here we go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Every single day, things and people contend for first place in our lives. And every single day, the challenge is to make God number one. 
You talk about an example of making God number one. Mary, you can't find a better example of someone who made God number one in her life. Mary loved the Lord more than she loved her friends, her family, her parents, herself, and more than she loved Joseph. How many times has a young person's heart been captured so that they readily abandon all other relationships in order to be with the one they love? Romantic love is a powerful force in someone's life. Even though her fiancé had captured a piece of her heart, his name surprisingly does not appear in Mary's encounter with Gabriel, informing Mary of her upcoming pregnancy. Even though a wedding was in Mary's immediate future plans, it is not what dominates her mind here. Her words are saturated with references to God, none about Joseph. doesn't mean she doesn't love Joseph. doesn't mean she doesn't still want to marry Joseph. It just means that God is number one. You see, it's not a contradiction for me to say God is number one in my life and Wendy is also priority in my life. It's not a contradiction. But you see, if God is number one in our lives, if God is number one, everything revolves around Him. The standard of my life is based on my relationship with God. And so my relationship with anybody else, including my wife, comes from my submission and the priority of God being in my life. She loved God more than she loved anybody. And I'll give you the last one. Because God was number one in her life, she was committed. She was committed to purity. She was committed to sexual purity. And if you really have a relationship with God, you're going to want to live a pure life. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians, he said, We ought to live self-controlled lives. We ought to live in a way that's honorable and that we ought to honor God with our bodies and not be involved in sexual immorality like those who do not know God. That's what he said, those who do not know God. Listen, if you really have a relationship with God, then you want to live a pure life. Let me tell you the challenge. Some people think that getting married solves all their problems with sexual temptation. That's a deception. That's a lie doesn't happen. You can be a happily married person and still deal with sexual temptation. You talk about a commitment. You talk about an example in the Bible. Mary, Mary and Joseph. She's already pregnant. She's already pregnant. You talk about a rationale for going ahead and sleeping with the guy. You can sleep with anybody. You're already pregnant. And you can cover it up. Humanly speaking, she doesn't do that. The standard is so high. Oh, God, help us to return to the standards exhibited by people like Mary. She could have rationalized it. She could have said, well, I'm pregnant anyway. And Joseph could have tried to talk her into it. You're pregnant anyway. What's it going to matter? And we're going to be married anyway. What is it going to matter? It's going to matter to God. And the Bible records for us in Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. That's the standard. She was committed. Here's what Paul writes for us as Christians in 1 Timothy. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. He could have just said purity, but he added the emphasis, absolute purity. The writer of the Hebrews says marriage should be honored by all. That includes unbelievers. That's why John the Baptist got in Herod's face and said it's unlawful for you to have your brother's wife. 
you're committing adultery. What an example Mary is. Well, I'll leave you with one last verse, and this pulls it all together. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Oh, what a verse. (laughs) God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I don't know if you've realized, the same miracle that happened in Mary happened in me. What are you talking about? It's like it was yesterday. I was 19 years old. I'm 62 now. In one way, it's a lot of years ago, but it's so fresh in my mind, especially in this study. When I walked into my house and I heard a guy on the television, Jack Van Ampen, he was preaching about the second coming of Christ, and he gave an invitation to receive Christ at the end of that message. And I walked down in my front yard, and I knelt in my front yard between me and God. I said, God, would you forgive me of my sins? Jesus, would you come into my life? And he did. He did. Listen, listen, listen. No, listen. A miracle happened. I'm talking a real miracle. No less a miracle than what happened in that young virgin named Mary. And Christ was conceived in me. I became a different person. And the longest walk I ever had in my life, longest walk, because I come from Hicktown. I come from small town. I prayed that prayer. God did a miracle in my life. Jesus came to live inside me. I became a new person. That Sunday, I went to the only church I knew of, the one I'd gone to when I was a little kid. My grandmother went with me. And at the end of that service, the pastor invited people to receive Christ. And I was down there before he could give the invitation. He stood me up there, and I had my long hippie hair, and I was crying. And I, and I was confessing publicly Jesus Christ and people that I'd gone to high school with. People I'd gone to high school with that still went to church, but they lived like hell during the week with me. <laughs> and I wasn't going to church. And I remember they come up to me and Myra Jordan, she said, Danny, they're going to be watching you. I said, Myra, I want them to watch me. And I meant that, but it was still butterflies. Monday morning when I drove my little Plymouth Cricket, <laughs> thank God they don't make those cars anymore. And I parked it and walked from the parking lot to B.C. Moore and Sons department store where I worked, and I felt like every eye in Hartsville, South Carolina was on me. And guess what? A lot of eyes in Hartsville, South Carolina were on me because those high school students at that Sunday service began to spread the word, and it went like wildfire. But a lot of them got it wrong. They said, did you hear about Danny Hodges? Danny got religion. And I had to correct him, say, you don't understand, I got Jesus. I got Jesus. And guess what? <laughs> listen, listen, this is the best part. As I walked out my life, now with Christ inside me, I began to show. <laughs> People began to go, he's pregnant. It means to be abundant in. It means to be full of. And I was. I was full of Jesus. (laughs) Look, I want to be just as full now, maybe more so than I was then. Christ conceived in us when we received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then he wants us to be pregnant with him, full of, abundant in.
We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. More information can be found on our website. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and offer you an opportunity to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? During this time of uncertainty in our nation, prayer is a powerful tool to combat fear and to promote peace in Jesus. Please pray that each person that hears these messages from the life of Jesus are touched and changed by His love. Please pray also for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to The Living Word? If you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and then click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share this good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website, one more time, is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for being a part of our time here on The Living Word.